You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Donald Kelly. And Donald has a belief that anyone can sell if they have the desire. Early on in his sales career, Donald struggled with sales, but through the proper training and coaching, he became a top performing seller. He's since taken it upon himself to evangelize the message of effective selling to struggling entrepreneurs, salespeople, and anyone looking to improve their sales hustle. Donald hosts one of the most popular sales-related podcasts called The Sales Evangelist. And you can connect with him on LinkedIn or wherever you have social media. He's everywhere. So I thought he had been on the show before. I'll apologize right now because he hasn't. But here he is, Donald Keller. Dennis, thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate you. And it's, uh, I feel that you know my year is now complete, even though it's October, that I finally got a chance to come on your podcast. My man, that's what I wanted to hear. Perfect. (laughs) Well, listen, you've been kind enough to have me on your show, The Sales Evangelist, and I had a blast and it is a great show and I would highly recommend anybody check that out. The Sales Evangelist, check it out. I listen to it on, you know, on Apple, on iOS, the iTunes deal. But but listen, congratulations. First, I'm going to congratulate you because this has been a busy year for you. You got married and you just had a baby. So... Married for a little bit. Yeah. The baby came along this year. Um, so it's, boy, I tell you what. <laughs> Exciting, huh? Changes everything, right? Changes everything. <laughs> yeah. We, we were talking a little bit about that before we hit record. So I'm excited for you. I remember being a young dad and having a business and a wife and all these things. Just enjoy it. Trust me, enjoy it. Don't let yourself get stressed out. We all have a tendency to be you know, have that ADD, A-type personalities, and we're always worried about everything as entrepreneurs. But trust me, it'll, you'll do great. I've known you long enough to know that you're going to do an amazing job. So today, just so everybody knows, I'm going to tease a little bit here, okay, before we dive into it, because I want to chat with Donald here for a minute. But today, we're going to talk about three big mistakes that small businesses make when trying to grow, right? Yes. And these are, you know, when he and I started chatting about this beforehand, these are like spot on. So you definitely want to take a few notes on these mistakes because we've all made them. I made them. I'm sure Donald's made them. His clients have made them. And guess what? You're going to make them too if you don't listen. Okay. So listen up. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we do, tell us a little bit about your business. Tell us how you got here. And then, uh, you know, then we'll dive in. So thanks, man. And as you heard in the, t- the intro there where you read the, from my, um, my introduction, I started off as a software. Well, I started off in college doing B to, B2C sales business consumer. I was doing door-to-door security sales. I did server. I was always one of the top reps. Um, Dish network over the phone, getting people to go to timeship presentation, you name it. I've done it. And then the challenge though was everyone says, you're good at this. You should go into it professionally. And post-college, I went into B2B sales. And that was a smack in the face because B2C, closing a deal within an hour or 30 minutes, 
compared to closing something in 30 days to you know a year, that was a whole different ball game, and I wasn't apt for that. So I came to the conclusion that this is probably not going to be a good fit for me. I can't do it. I had a desire though. I wanted to succeed because I, I needed to succeed because it was riding on me now, Dennis, where I needed money. I was the first person for my family to graduate and I needed to do something. I was going to make this, make this work. So anyways, I, I, I went to, um, I got, fortunately went to a company. They put me through some sales training and I took the stuff that I had and the passion and drive coupled that with the training and I saw this hockey stick in my performance. So I was like, dude, there are many people who probably need to know about, about this stuff. My friend introduced me to podcasts, Jared Easley, started doing the podcast and started sharing some of the things that was working, what made me, what deals, how it made the deal work and, and how my pipeline and business was, uh, you know, the, as a sales rep, how the business was going. So, and I was cheating as well because I was getting uh, skills training through interviews from some of the top sales experts in the world through my podcast. And then people started to reach out at that point after a while. We got notarized, uh, excuse me, uh, notoriety through a couple magazine mentions. And then the, I had coaching opportunities where I'd work with individuals after work or you know, whatnot. Then I had consulting opportunities, started doing stuff on a weekend for small businesses and speaking opportunities. And then it started to mesh into my day, weekly schedule. So I started using vacation days. And then it came to the point where it was unsustainable to do both. And I chose to make the bet on Donald and I left the full-time gig and started doing the consulting of working with small companies, then training as well and helping individual reps through coaching. And then we started doing products and it just kind of grew into where it's at right now. So that's a sales evangelist organization. We have a team built out of about five of us right now. And it's super exciting and super fun that it all came from just me sucking at selling, figuring it out, learning what can work and then helping other people who are in the same boat that I was in. And that's where we are today. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I graduated from college in 19, I'm going to bleep out when with year, <laughs> but actually I graduated and right before I graduated from college, I think it was like March of my senior year. I was about to graduate in May or June. I was dead broke. I went and got this sales job because I, I just needed money. Right. And yeah. I self-proclaimed was the absolute worst salesperson they've ever hired <laughs> at that company. I was the absolute worst. I have no idea why they kept me. Zero idea why they kept me, but fortunately enough, there were some successful people that were really good at sales there. And what I did is I just listened and yeah. I modeled after some of the things they were doing and I started doing it myself. And lo and behold, within maybe about six months after that, I was one of the top sales reps. And then from there, you know, I thought I had it all figured out, right? I thought I was a rock star and I was going to go start my own business. And then I got kicked in the teeth for 10 years as an entrepreneur and tried to <laughs> finally started figuring it out. So I can resonate with your story. And I know you're having a lot more success in your first business than I did. So kudos to you. Oh, so listen, Sales Evangelist, when did you start that podcast? That's been around for a while, man. You got a lot of episodes in your belt. Yeah, this December will be six years. Six so years. December, yeah. Just so you guys know, six years in podcasting is like 50 years in anything <laughs> else, man. That's like because that's how podcasting is. It's so new and it's growing yeah. so fast. So, so you were really a, a, an early guy in that space. So kudos to you. And it's a great podcast. Again, I can't say it enough. Make sure you guys check that out if you want to continue the conversation with Donald. So today we're going to talk about these three big mistakes and I want to, I I'm eager to dive in here. So why don't I tee it up for you? You grab sure. the, you know, you grab the wheel, you steer. And then, you know, if I got to hit the brakes and ask a couple questions, I will. Other than that, Take it away on these three big mistakes that small business make small business owners make when they're trying to grow. 
So the first one comes back down to hiring. Like they have a huge problem when it comes to hiring. Second one is going to tie more towards not having a process or not having training or giving them a path to success. And then the third one is not sharp, not helping them sharpen their, their sword or their tools to be able to continue to thrive and continue to grow. Because if you come into this situation, you're probably listening to this as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, and tell me if this is you. If it is, just say amen. You're growing your company. You're making anywhere between that one to five million dollars. You've been stagnated at that level because you're the main person that's bringing in the money. You hustle, you work, you have contacts. And now it's just throttling at that three to five million. You want to get it to 10, but don't quite know how. And that's why you listen to Dennis because you're going to learn from him. And you're going to take some of these advice and help you out as well. But the problem is you try to hire people before. And what you have done was you went and found someone who was a friend and their kid was just a great outgoing kid coming out of college or like I was or someone that was just like, you thought that would be great to hire for sales, but then they were a dud. They flopped. They didn't do as well. And then after six months, they got burnt out. You got tired because you couldn't understand why they couldn't get it as good as you could. And they weren't doing well. So they left. So now you've done, the, you've done this a couple of times and you said, you know what? I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to fuss with this anymore. So the first problem that I find is that there's a hiring. You don't hire people that you like. You hire people who are going to get the job done, right? And that's one of the most important things. And you, yes, obviously you can find a balance in that where you might find somebody that you like and can get the job done. But oftentimes as a small business owner, we go through our network and we get an individual and we bring them into our company and we make sure this person um, this person is going to be, you know, because we like them, they're going to be great. And sometimes what we will do as well, we said, we're going to get someone with a book of business. So you might say you're in the, the food, the medical industry, you're going to find some, another sales rep that was in the medical industry. And she is just like killing it in the company that she's at, which is three times your size or three times your size or two times your size. And she is going to come to your company and bring her book of business. The problem is what happens is that that never happens because she has been king or queen for so long in the other company where she was sitting top high. She was getting leads fed to her. Now she comes to an organization where she has to hunt and girl can't hunt. There's no bite in that dog. So she sits back <laughs> and she's lethargic and she's not making anything and frustrated and complains about marketing, complains about the lead. And then you get upset because you promised her you're going to give her X amount of dollars and it's been a waste of money. I've seen this multiple times and that's one of the huge problems. So you go first off, she's working in another company where the culture is so different than your company and where she is in a total different situation. It doesn't translate and it's not apples to apple, even though you might both be in the same company in the industry. And if she does bring a couple business, she may bring one or two client that can come because the other ones are in contract and they can't leave. So that idea or that thought flops. So one, you're hiring people because you thought they were good. They're friends of your cousin or a good friend too. You go ahead and get this other sales rep because you said she is great. She's a top at the other company and she could bring leads and that doesn't happen. But the key, the best part that I, the best way I will tell you to do this is to find people who are hungry. They may not necessarily know how to sell truly, but they got to be hungry. And what you want to do, especially in your scenario where you're starting off, you want to make sure you get people get multiple sales reps at the same time. So you can't probably hire two $70,000 sales reps at the same time. Why not hire two $40,000 sales rep? And that's where you get those junior sales rep or BDR. And the reason why you want to do that is that so you don't have individuals that might flop and then now you're left hanging with only with, after you invested six months into a seller, but you, you're hedging your bet. It's, I see these ducklings in my neighborhood sometimes and you know, 
mother nature, man. Sometimes these ducklings start off with like a pack of, uh, you know, uh, 16 of these ducks. And it's amazing seeing that, but all of a sudden it whittled down to like 10 and survival of the fittest kind of. And it's the same concept you might want to look at with your sellers when you bring them on. And plus when you bring them on in class, they can feed off of each other and they can have some kind of guidance. They need to have that unless they're going to flop and not going to work. So get someone who's hungry and who I would say people who have maybe people with athletic skills or not skills, but uh, tendencies, they, they know how to win. They're competitive. They're going to fight against themselves. They're going to want to be number one. They're going to work hard. And if you can find people with that passion, if they have a little bit of knowledge, great. But anyone, I absolutely believe that anyone can be taught how to sell if they have the desire. I've taught companies where a sales rep had no desire, where they, the company paid for it, so it was already done. But you saw the sales rep who took the information, they went and applied it, they saw a bigger difference as opposed to a sales rep who was just sitting back. They didn't necessarily care. They, didn't have, they lost their bite a long time ago and they're just sitting there. So the key to this is, again, don't hire people just because they're friends of a family or they're outgoing. No, we want to make sure that they have passion, that they have desires, and that they're, they're hungry. They, they, have a, they have a why, a purpose. Yeah. Don't you care too much about their skills. And then the next one, don't just go Hold get on. somebody Hold on. experience. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Listen, two things I took from that. There was yeah. a lot there. And I, and I appreciate you talking about number one, talking about the problem. And then number two, talking about the solution, because I think that's important. Sure. We talk a lot about problems, but not always the solution. So this is probably one of the things that I see small businesses with struggling with the most, which is hiring that first sales guy and making him or her successful. And it literally, I've seen it and I'm sure you've seen it too, Donald. It's literally taking people completely out of the game where not only did they not succeed, but because of the time and energy and resources they invest in trying to make that person successful because they didn't have the desire, or they didn't have that competitiveness, or they didn't have those characteristics that you talked about, it literally took them out of the game and they went out of business. And yeah. you know, I mean, that can be, you know, and maybe depending upon the stage of the company, it can be a very, it's very expensive to make a bad hire in any department, but particularly in sales, because not only are you losing what the money you're investing in them, you're losing the, the projected revenue that's supposed to be coming in the first six to 12 months after hiring them. So it's like a double-edged sword. I mean, it costs yeah. a lot to lose an HR manager or a, or a software developer, but you're not losing that projected revenue too. So I think that's, I, I'm, I'm really glad you started out with that mistake, which is hiring the wrong persona, the wrong person. And you know that that example you gave with transitioning with their book of business, man, does that resonate? It's so hard to do that. Either they're under a non-compete, or the clients are in contract, or that person, like you said, they've lost their bite and they're used to getting everything inbound and fed to them. So no, those are perfect. That number one is huge. So make sure you know the right person that you're hiring and desire being one of the most important factors in that equation. So appreciate that. No problem. And tying right back to that too, what you mentioned, what you're saying. So from a business owner standpoint, you got to know your numbers. You can't, and what I've seen people do too, and it's, it, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I mean, lightning can strike any random spot, but sometimes they'll say, I'm going to do a full commission job. I'm just going to get somebody and start off full commission. It sounds great on your part, but after two weeks when that person said, yeah, I'm going to do it. I've hired them. I've been through it. No matter who it is, if they start off with a full commission, it's very rare that they last. I'm not going to say that that's the case. They're very rare that they last because all of a sudden they realize I need to pay some bills and this is not coming in quicker. And your sales process takes six to eight months anyways, and they're going to need at least four months to ramp up. So they're going to wait at least, you know, can that person survive for a good nine months before they start making money? 
and yeah, your turnover your turnover on straight commission is going to be probably five times that yeah. of at least five times that of if you if you invest a little bit of a salary or some sort of comp into them. So I totally agree. What's number two? Yeah. So number two is the fact that you got to make sure you have a process for them. What I've seen with some of these other companies that I've worked with is they, they take the time, they, they go out and hire somebody or they bring this individual in and now they might follow our number one step and say, yeah, I brought this young person in, but they didn't give them any type of path to success. So now the person is coming in and they're reinventing the wheel every single time. And I've done this in smaller companies where entrepreneur A was like so great at selling. She said, come in and do this job. Go figure this. We go for these medical companies, go figure out a medical company, go out to networking events, go on LinkedIn, make some cold call, pick up the darn phone, boy, pick it up and send some emails. We have some bunch of leads and some business cards from our past trade shows. So go at it, figure it out get some stuff. I know you're going to be great. And then this person, because of the (laughs) overwhelming surge of all this information, they don't know what to say at the networking event. They don't know what to say to the prospect. They don't know what type of companies to go for in the market. I'll give you an example. I worked for a company in a similar situation and we were going after, we're a managed IT company, but then we wanted to supplement the income with doing some affiliates pretty much by selling some software for the medical industry. It was 2010-ish. So between a 2008, 2010, when they had the whole medic, uh, the Obamacare and you had the incentive to get the EHR. So what's the worst that can happen? It's in Florida. You can shoot a fish in a barrel, but that wasn't the case. We were going after big practices. We were going after chiropractors. We were going after assisted living facilities. We were going after dentists. And when you know, you know, all those four different things, they're all doctors, but none of them have the same exact way of doing things. You have to have make sure you understand and we didn't know. So go back to what you mentioned, that company folded. And I came in looking at it from, you know, getting all excited for that money I was going to make, but I didn't do my research beforehand. And that's exactly what happened. So we didn't know who we we're going after. We didn't have a process. We didn't know what to say. We didn't know uh, stages of, uh, we didn't have the proper emails. We didn't have the proper, you know, phone messaging to use. We didn't have a strategy of where to go find them. So we went all over and we wasted tons of time. We wasted tons of money. I remember one day, one of the guys, he was a senior, a little bit more uh, advanced seller than I was. And he said, you know what? Doctors. So you know what we should do? We should go to the golf course. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Let's go to the golf course. So I went out and we spent an, uh, like half the day sitting at the golf course and I don't drink. So I'm sitting here at the clubhouse drinking a soda and at the golf, the driving range. And it's just he and I, and we totally, it was a total waste. And we just did a bunch of stuff like this because we we're trying to figure out what's going to work. And that didn't happen. You must give them a plan. You must give them a process of exactly who they should go for, what they should say, and they should follow this religiously until they get their own feet. And if they don't, then you're going to waste money. Yeah. A couple of things come out. I've seen this. It's a really good point because I've seen this time and time again, and I've even made the mistake myself early on in my career. And that is when you bring a salesperson on or when you bring any person on, but particularly as it relates to sales right now, they don't have a very good onboarding process, which no. you just destroy. What you just described was entrepreneur hires somebody, they're excited about them, they throw all this stuff at them, and they say, "Figure it out." And the salesperson doesn't want to back down. <laughs> yeah, the salesperson doesn't want to back down. They don't want to ask too many questions. They want to. They want to impress the boss, so they basically say, "Okay, I got this," and then they go out and they flounder for months, weeks, and months and the sales don't come in, they get frustrated. Maybe they quit and turn over. Maybe the boss gets frustrated and fires them. And the fact is, it was, it was the company of the boss's fault because number one, they didn't onboard them process. They didn't give them a good onboarding process, which is really just 
an educational process of what works, right? Who's our target market? How do we do outreach? How do we do follow-up? What's working now for us, right? How are we winning deals now? How am I as the owner winning deals? And how can I help translate that into your, you know, into your world so that you can start winning deals for, for us as well? So I think that onboarding in that sales process, well-documented, right? And this is something that an entrepreneur really needs to do. They need to sit down before they hire a salesperson and document what exactly is the process. Because sometimes entrepreneurs, you know, can be so talented in one area like sales that, you know, it just comes very natural to them. The flow, they've been in business for 10 or 15 or 20 years and, and they don't really fully understand all the nuances that they apply to the sales process. And it, it gets lost in translation when they try to hire somebody. So documenting that process and then teaching and coaching and onboarding using that type of process can be so powerful. And it's just, it's just, it's just not that complicated either. It's not that hard if you're intentional about it, right? If you're intentional yeah. and it's by design. So perfect. I think that sales process is, is really important as well. Number three. Number three. So now this person comes on board. Let's say you follow number one. You is young, you got two of them and they, you know, you're fortunate. Both of them stuck around. They followed your process. They started doing well. What you must continue to do is to help them sharpen their tools. I had a coach once uh, that told me this idea. He said, some sales reps out there have one year experience, but they're selling for 20 years, right? So they might, and some people get it totally wrong. What they say, I've been, I have 20 years of experience. No, you've been selling for 20 years, but one year's worth of experience. You always have to sharpen your tool. If you look into my office, I have books, I have Audible, I listen to podcasts. I'm always feeding it. But here's what happened with companies. They don't do that with their sales reps. So, and especially, I was listening to Mike Weinberg's book. And if you're any of you are in leadership and you're trying to figure out this thing, check out Mike Weinberg's book and it's called Sales Management Simplified. And one thing Mike emphasizes is that as a sales leader, you need to have your meetings. And a lot of small companies are skipping sales meetings. So traditional sales meeting, they're just sending out these emails or whatnot. You need to sit down with your sales rep, do some role plays, have a plan, go over some of the challenges that they're facing. You don't need to go through pipeline review. That's going to be done in your one-on-one. -on -one. But you must have your one-on-ones with them. You must have a weekly sales meeting or however frequency you see, you see that beneficial for your organization where you're helping them to sharpen their tool, to get motivated, to get excited. You're introducing new stuff. You may be going through a book together, but the sales rep is continually growing and advancing in their knowledge. And then also taking industry knowledge, not necessarily about your own products, but about the client's industry. So let's say I'm selling medical equipments to doctors, right? Or to rheumatologists specifically. It doesn't make sense for me just to know about all of the different medical equipments that are coming out. That's kind of silly. I do need to know that, but I would, it would be much better for me to know that, but then also understand what are some of the big challenges facing rheumatologists over the next 10 years or the next three years. Go to some of those events or read some of their white papers or re watch some of the videos, but then now you can practice that in your sales meeting, taking your product knowledge, tying it to real problems that they're having. That, that right there, man, that makes magic happen or bringing in somebody from a different department who one of your engineers to speak to how sales reps can message or understand something with the equipment to give a better message or bringing even a rheumatologist in for a, a WebEx demo or Zoom and having them talk about what are some of the things they see coming up in the industry. But you're educating these sellers so that if you're educating them, they're going to be making more money. If you're making more money, they're going to enjoy your atmosphere. They're going to stay with you longer and you're going to get more money out of them because the average sales rep stay with a company dentist for about 18 months right now. So if I can get wow. somebody to stay for two and a half years, 
then I am getting some money out of them as opposed to just like quick wham, bam, and their turnover. Give investing in your, in your sales rep. You already did a whole big thing on hiring them. You already did a big focus on training them. Let's keep them and give them incentive. I think that's probably the bonus one. You need to incentivize them. If they're there, incentivize them to win. If somebody is in, in, in the company and you have some incentive program, all your compliance ne- doesn't necessarily need to be the same. You need to make sure you tease and give people what they need so that they can stick around and to continue to perform for you if they're doing this stuff. Yeah. The number three mistake was, like you said, they don't have a growth path, right? They, they, yeah. they haven't defined a path to help them continue to, to grow and be successful. You know? And so the thing you mentioned was, you know, it, it came to mind right away was the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen yeah. Covey, right? Which is sharpen your saw, right? Sharpen yeah. your saw. You have to constantly sharpen your saw. I'm never the smartest guy. I'm never the best salesperson. I'm never the, you know, I, there's a lot of things I'm not very good at, but one of the things that I'm really good at or that I'm diligent about is being a student, right? Is being a student. I've been, you know, I can learn things quickly and I can, you know, execute on those things. So being a student is critically important. So I think, you know, reading podcasts, audio books, whatever the case may be, you know, those are all critical, really important. You, you mentioned some really, really good examples of sharpening your saw in and around, whether it be your product or your service or your industry. One of the things that I saw that I uh, heard recently that I thought was a really good idea is having like a book club inside your organization where everybody reads yeah. a book together. It's a really simple way, but now you can curate the type of content and the type of messaging and the type of information that your, your people are doing, you're curating it. Number two, you're building a habit because let's yep. face it, not everybody reads, right? Even salespeople. I mean, you know, statistically speaking, very few, how many people read a book after they graduate from high school or college? It's pretty small, which is sad, but it's true. So you're, you're fighting a couple of battles there. Number one, you're educating them, you're creating habits that hopefully they can take in their other areas of their life as well. So, and then the third one, and then that fourth bonus ha- bonus that you gave, you know, tip there was incentivizing them. I think that's a no-brainer. And that's some things where you got to get a little bit creative, right? I mean, you know, you have to keep people hungry, right? And that means that you have to not, you can't just always drive your sales with promotions or with, with free giveaways and with just extra cash, but you'd be shocked. One of the things that I learned, you know, throughout my career is that people will do more for recognition than they will for money. They'll do more for recognition than they will for money a pat on the back, bringing them up in front of a sales meeting, recognizing something that they, where they've went above and beyond. I mean, it's way more valuable than money. You want to talk about that for a second? Because I know that hit home with you. Bro, it is 100%. And the other thing too, I've done stupid things, stupid hard work just to be known as the number one seller in the call center for the day <laughs> because it was just an incentive, right? Or even if it was like small money, it was like, you know, if it was five bucks, I mean, I was like, why am I working so hard for five bucks? It was just to get my name on a board, right? And I just, it's just the idea of winning that kept pushing me. So yeah, giving them a recognition is huge. And this is another thing that people don't realize sometimes, Dennis, say we do have, let's keep going on with this example. We have these two sales rep, we, we hired them and then each, you know, we, we build up our, reserv- our, our reserve and then in another six months, we're going to bring on our next BDR. Now we don't take the best one that's a bestseller and promote her or him to become the sales manager. But what we should do is find the one that's going to be the best manager to be the best next manager. But you give them an incentive or a growth plan. So somebody might be a good sales rep, but you might say in six months or a year, say, you know, Donald, I love this. 
But what I would love to do, I think that the customer service side or helping with some of the marketing stuff, it would be great. Yeah, give them a promotion or opportunity to advance in a company. And especially in small companies, I have left companies, I'm telling you, Dennis, because I saw the writings on the wall. My name didn't begin with the same last name of the owners of the company. So I wasn't going to get any other opportunities to rise above. And then it was, or other companies where it was like, you know, it was favorites. So you were going to focus on, it's small. So there's only so many jobs anyways, but there wasn't a path for me to create or even nominate myself to create a own a new suite. But if the company can help me create a growth plan in my one-on-one and say, here's where I, w- I see you going, Donald, tell me what some of your initiatives are. And you can give that to that person. And I'm telling you, they're going to stick with you. Love it. Love it. Perfect. Anything else you want to add about those mistakes or any tips there? We'll ask you a couple more questions and then we'll wrap it up for today. I mean, I, I think I, I don't want to overload you guys too much. I just want you guys to take at least one of them, one thing away from each of those and to get started. You can go back and listen to this over again. And I definitely want you guys to give Dennis some good reviews and share it with your friends. But don't get, I go fast at times in the fire hydrant, but take one thing and apply. Yeah. Don't get overwhelmed. Pick one thing and take action on it. I love that. All right, listen, two questions and then we're going to wrap it up for today. What's your favorite growth tool or software that you use to help grow your business? Something that's attributed to growth for you. Hands down. Well, tool or software. And again, you could, if I, if I make you narrow it down to one, all your other vendors, they're not going to be upset. Trust me. I know. Right. So (laughs) by all means, by all means, the favorite would have to be LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Love it. Oh, I hate that you said LinkedIn. That's, that's I, I never, I'm never on LinkedIn. Obviously, obviously that's, so what would be one book that you would recommend to the audience that's helped you throughout your journey you think might be able to help them through some of the struggles of, of growth and, and uh, scaling? Only one? Oh, come on. Yep. Only one, man. <laughs> All right. Right now, I would say the, for you guys who are in your position, trying to get this, the business off and get it growing, I would say, go check out Mike Weinberg book. I mentioned it already. Um, so I'll just stick with that one. Mike Weinberg, Sales Management Simplified. Be a great start. Yeah. Love it. Perfect. Well, listen, I think you have a free offer. You were going to offer the the everybody here some free training. So let everybody know how they can get that, learn more about the sales evangelist, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah. So thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me. So the course that I created is designed to help new and struggling sellers to succeed. And it gives them everything, all the fundamentals that they need to be able to progress even if they come into an organization where they don't have an opportunity to get all the training, or maybe you're too busy to do that. And it's 12 modules. And each of the modules, there are five videos, five to seven videos, short videos they can watch. And they also have an opportunity to do some activities with, and then they join for a group call where they can get some help and get some, you know, role plays and we practice. But the first two modules are open for free. You guys can test it out. If it makes sense for you, you like it, then we can purchase the the remaining 10. But you can find all the details by going to thesalesevangelist.com slash free course. So T-H-E, the evangelist, E-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-S-T dot com, then slash free course, one word, F-R-E-E-C-R-O-U-S-E. Love it. How can they connect with you? If you go there, the best way, go to LinkedIn and just hit me up, Donald C. Kelly. And if you connect with me on LinkedIn, tell me you heard, you you connect with me through Dennis's podcast, we'll go ahead and make a personal connection. And then we can direct you to our website. I just want to send you to the website and then you get so many other things that you can get. You want to connect with me, connect with me straight up, Donald C. Kelly. Love it. 
listen, I'm going to put those links in the show notes. Really appreciate you being here, Donald. Love the tips. I think anybody who really paid attention throughout this episode is going to find a lot of value. Really appreciate you. Congratulations on the new baby. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Dennis. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.